Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Welcome back. We continue with the Maharal over here on Hanukkah, Nir Mitzvah, page Shud Aleph, the standard edition of the Maharal of Nir Mitzvah on the left-hand side. And good morning, Stan. This is Stan. Good morning to Stan out there. And uh, good morning. How are you? And uh, continue coming to you live, of course, from the Summerton Community College, Summerton, Philadelphia, continuing with Nir Mitzvah. So we went through the first two of the Goliaths, the first two of the exiles, what Bavu represents, the Bavu is the exile of the, of, of the nefesh, of the decision-making process. Parasamada is the goddess of the, of the uh, guf, of the physicality. And Yavan, of course, we're going to see the next one, Yavan is going to be the goddess of the mind, of the seichel, of the intellect. Yavan, now, now we're getting to Hanukkah, what Hanukkah is all about. The, the victory of Hanukkah and the goddess of Hanukkah, of Greeks represented Hanukkah, that's right. Finally, we're ready to... Uh, to get into the the the, the, the maral and Hanukkah and Hanukkah. So let's see that now together. Baruch Atah Adonai Melech Hashem Kol Yisrael Kol Yisrael Kol Yisrael Kol Yisrael The next empire that Daniel sees is what? So Daniel can number as a leopard. The one that represents Greece, Greek Empire, is a leopard. Mibnei ki ma'chuz zehu keneged chelik ha'gimel shabadam. The Greek Empire and the, the, the flaw that they um, that they exaggerate here, that they that they amplify, and the, the defect in the world that they <clears throat> represent, the, that flaw is in the third area of a person, which is what who has seichel, the intellect, the mind, wisdom. The Greek Empire is the idea of bring the world off course in the realm of the seichel of the mind, wisdom. Because what do Greece stand for? The Greek Empire, what do they stand for? If not wisdom, if not the intellect, if not higher thinking, as it's well known and, 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 and uh, explained in many, many places at length. The Greek Empire is about the pursuit of wisdom, knowledge, enlightenment. Kamesha is like that's what the Greeks stood for, right? The great philosophers and mathematicians and all that. That's why they took note of the Torah. Greeks see aha, the Torah. They see another form of wisdom, another type of wisdom, another intellectual pursuit. The Greeks say we gotta get rid of that. We have to replace divine wisdom with Greek wisdom. We have to replace the, the wisdom of the Torah with, 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 with the superior might and mind, mind and the mighty minds of the Greek Empire. Maral gives now a very subtle and very significant idea over here. What did the Greeks not like about the Torah? We know the Greeks made this rule that you can't learn Torah, right? You're not allowed to learn. Mm-hmm. That's the whole dreidel. What's the dreidel? They brought down that the dreidels, um, when they would come into the study halls, and they, they would get a, an alert that the Greeks are coming, the Greeks are coming, so they would put away the Gemaras and take out the dreidloch. They say, oh no, we're just, we're just, mishpilzach, spielen mit the dreidel, right? That's what they would say. That's the, that was what, what, what's brought down as the source for the dreidel. So the Greeks had this idea that, lashkicham teresecha, like we say in Al-Anisim, the Al-Anisim prayer, lashkicham teresecha, the Greeks' whole, Objective was to was to have Torah be forgotten from Klai Yisrael, to push Torah out of the collective minds of the Jews, to get rid of the Torah. Torah study. We don't want Torah study. Why is that? It, it, it seems a little ironic. The Greeks are the big pursuers of wisdom, right? 
Greeks live for nothing but wisdom and, and philosophy and knowledge. Why are they so opposed to the Torah? The Torah is so, so, so much wisdom, so much knowledge in the Torah, right? Why should the Greeks be opposed to it? If anything, the Greeks should be the biggest champions of Torah, right? The Greeks should, should say, well, teach us Balakama, teach us Bamatia, teach us Babasra, teach us. We, 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 we want to learn this stuff, right? So, what do the Greeks not like about it? What they didn't like is that something very subtle about Torah. What's very subtle about it is that. What's different about the wisdom, the knowledge of the Torah, from all the other branches of knowledge and wisdom? This is the one branch that that is godly wisdom, divine wisdom, divine knowledge, which means ultimately we do our best to try to understand. We do our best to try to um, wrap our heads around it. But there's always going to be areas where we say we've reached the limits of our understanding and we just have to accept. We've reached the limits of our understanding. We have to accept this. You have that in Torah, right? You have a, a Gemara, you have a good kasha. And the, Gemara, uh, the Gemara sometimes asks questions the Gemara itself does not, doesn't answer, correct? Teku. Gemara says Teku. Gemara asks a kasha. Teku, we have to leave this question hanging until until uh, until Eliyahu Navi comes. We have to go by faith. What? We have to go by faith. Exactly. Arthur is saying it so well, so nice and so beautifully. There comes a point in Torah where we understand that the, the, the basic foundational point of Torah is that there are limits to our understanding, limits to our comprehension, and there's going to be things that ultimately we, we, we won't understand because the knowledge is emanating from a higher source. There are limits to our understanding, and but we accept it anyway. This is what the Greeks didn't like. So according to the Greeks, the definition of knowledge begins and ends with our understanding. If we can understand it, then it's called knowledge. If it's beyond understanding, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. That means what's valuable and what is, what is defined by what is defined as knowledge and wisdom those are set by the terms of our own understanding our own our, our limitations our limitations define knowledge as opposed to knowledge ultimate knowledge being beyond outside exceeding our limitations this is the difference between the greek's approach to wisdom and Kleist's approach to wisdom between greek philosophy greek knowledge and the torah's knowledge the torah's wisdom the torah's truth. The difference ultimately is, is it coming from a higher source? And we do our best to understand it. But there comes a point where we have to accept because it's knowledge that there are there, that, that, that is, is coming from a higher source and therefore there's always necessarily going to be areas that are beyond our limitations, beyond our understandings. Or if I care to the contrary, knowledge, wisdom and understanding is defined by the limits of human understanding. If I can understand it, it's, it exists, it's valuable, it's worth knowing. If I can't understand it, then that's outside the definition of what knowledge is altogether. This is what the Greeks picked the bone with and what they took issue with and what they could not and, and would not accept is that there's an aspect of the divine to knowledge and there's something called a system of divine knowledge and there's a system called Torah which is forever, perpetually, beyond our limitations. A teku, kasha, to something that we can't understand, something we can't grasp, something we can't quite wrap our heads around because it's coming from a higher source that they didn't accept that. The definition of knowledge is defined and delineated by what we can grasp. Let's see. Torah, we know that Torah is the supreme wisdom above all other wisdoms. It surpasses all other wisdoms, it exceeds all, the, all, all other wisdoms, and it's beyond all other wisdoms, it's the source of all wisdom, and it's, 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 it's divine. Kamoi 
Shehumavur, the Medrash. This instance is a divine wisdom. It's a divine Torah. It's above and beyond everything. That's why it's not um, relevant to the Gaim. It's not something that is given to the Gaim. We know Gaim are not allowed to learn Torah. It's Gaim are... Their place is a, a, a um, earthly place. They have an earthly task. They have an earthly job. So yes, yeah, so they're given earthly knowledge and earthly sciences and earthly um, wisdom. The, the highest wisdom, the divine wisdom that's above all other wisdoms, that's something that's granted and gifted to the Kala Yisrael who we have a divine task. The Pazik and Eicha says that we've been subjugated by kings and officers in Torah who lack Torah. They lack Torah by definition. By definition because of their existence versus our existence. The Medrash says it, the Gemara Megillah says, someone claims that Gaim have wisdom, there's, there's, there's wise Gaim out there. What do you say if someone claims the that there's, it's from the Jews, but but are you allowed to believe this? There's, there's wise Gaim, there's Gaim with wisdom. Yeah. Yes, time, the Gemara says you believe this, the Medrash says you believe this. The Gemara says, Torah by Gaim, if they t- someone tells you have, they have Torah, connections to Torah, that you don't believe. They don't have Torah, but their wis- wisdom is what we call Chachma, there's, there's, there's uh, earthly wisdom, mathematics, sciences, philosophy, which is an emanation and secondary, a byproduct, or not a byproduct, but a secondary product from Torah that the Gaim have, because that comes down here, this wisdom that is earthly wisdom, wisdom that, that, that um, shows up in an earthly sense, but it's not... A direct continuation, a direct um, pipeline to divine wisdom that Goyim have, but divine, the, the wisdom of the divine, which again, the, the, the definition of Torah is it's a system of knowledge and wisdom and enlightenment that's coming from beyond our existence. It's always, always going to be beyond understanding. There's always going to be things that are going to escape our, our understanding it's that Goyim don't have, and that's what the Greeks couldn't accept. The Greeks, Greeks, from their perspective, knowledge has to be defined is begins and ends with with the limitations of my understanding there's nothing that's beyond my logical. understanding what logical uh, things that, that exactly we can wrap our heads around so this is again a quote from the medrash the, the medrash can goes on to say that they have they don't have that's why the Greeks had no issue with, with Klai Yisrael. It's interesting if you we, we, we make an analysis of the four exiles. So one of the four is a little bit different than the other three. The Greek exile is different than that. Greeks weren't trying to... They didn't want to kill us. They didn't want, they didn't want to throw us out of Eretz Yisrael. They didn't even want to throw us out of the base of Mikdash. The Greek exile is the only exile where we still have the base of Mikdash. We were still living in Eretz Yisrael, and we were still um, more or less, you know... Um, Maintaining our our our, 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 our our physical lives. It wasn't like Babel, Parasamada, they all wanted to kill us. Adoim, they killed us. It wasn't a physical attack. It was an attack, it was a spiritual attack. They wanted to take down the Torah. They didn't have an issue with, 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 with Yidin, with Klaus, they had an issue with Torah. It was a goddess of Torah. Kamoshi is born in Yenzev, Daniel. That's why Greek, the Greek Empire, and Greece appears to Daniel as a leopard. 
Zaysa Chaya, he as beyoser. What's 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 uh, unique about the leopard? What defines the leopard? The leopard is the animal that is as, that is fierce, that has chutzpah, right? That's bold, bold. That likes to challenge. That's what the leopard is. The leopard challenges, likes to challenge. Kamoisha Amru, as it says in Pirkei how do we know that the leopard is something that is, that is impudent, that likes to challenge? It says in Pirkei be bold, be confident, have chutzpah like a leopard, right? The the, the mission in Pirkei Tells us the four animals that we should emulate: be swift like an eagle, be be um, strong like a lion, and says be as be bold like a leopard. So that impudence, that boldness, goes together with with someone who seeks wisdom. So first of all, the positive of the being the leopard, of having that boldness, that steadfastness, is that I'm gonna. I can use it, I can channel it in the positive sense to seek wisdom because the Mishnah says elsewhere in Pekah Lamed. Someone who is ashamed, someone who is shy and timid, he's never going to learn anything. If you want to learn something, you have to be bold and brave to ask questions. Lekach Midas Yisrael, he azus. That's why Klaizos is also given this meat of azus, of of boldness, of impudence, so to, so to speak, of of, of of rashness. And not rashness, brashness. Kamosha Amru B'Mesechus Beitza, Tanam Yishmei Rameir Mibnei Ma. Nitna Torah, so why is the Torah given to Klai Yisrael? Mimnei, Shane Azin, because Klai has a certain boldness, a certain brashness, we're steadfast, um, tenacious. Tana Debei Rebbe Shmuel, Mimino Eshdos Lamai, from Hashem's right hand, He gave us a Torah. Omar Kosh Baruch Hu, Uyin Halalu, Shetinasin Lehem Dos Eish. We're worthy of receiving a Torah, a fiery Torah. Nikaz Amri Dosem Shal Elu Eish, Shalomalai Nitna Torah, Yisrael, Ein Kol Uma Veloshin, Yechayin Lamai Bifneim. The Gemara says, so we have Azos in that we embrace the Torah, we embrace Hashem's divine wisdom. So someone um, that is a connoisseur of wisdom has a meat of Azos, a meat of, of the Azkanomer, and, and that's how that's what he needs to have that meat in order to um, pursue steadfastly uh, the pursuit of wisdom and knowledge. Behind the Amr Shem Ben Lakish, Gimel Azenhain, Yisrael Ba'umais, there's the three um, things in creation which have this boldness. This braveness, Klai Yisrael is the brave is, is considered to be brave amongst the nations, um, and that's what the the the, the, um, the Gemara that he cited elsewhere was saying. That gives us the power of, to pursue knowledge like fire. Fire is strong, steadfast. Who as has has a boldness and a brashness. Klai as well, as well has that um, Azus as well. So that's the positive um, idea of this, of of the Azus, of the Namer, is that, excuse me, I don't let go of the pursuit of wisdom. I'm going to tackle wisdom and, and track it down. I'm going to go to all lengths to, to, um, to, to tackle wisdom, to gain wisdom, whatever I can to get wisdom. So that's the Azus of the Greeks in terms of a positive sense. And then we, the Kleisel has that as well. But the, the negative, the flip side, and again, we can remember the Greek Empire, that they parallel Seichel, their, their, their power is to bring flaws into the world in the area of Seichel, in the area of wisdom. So the negative aspect of that, the flip side of that, is the Azus of not being able to accept that there's a concept of wisdom that exceeds my understanding. This is the limitation of the Greeks, it's a double-edged sword. And this is why they took umbrage with an issue with the Torah. They had to take down the Torah. The issue was not with Klai Yisrael, as the Maral just told us. The issue was with, 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 with the Torah. 
Malchus Bagayim ain Torah. They said no, this Torah is, doesn't fit into our worldview, and that's the flip side. That's the negative aspect of the Azus, that impudence, that boldness and brashness of saying that I'm going to pursue wisdom. I'm going to track it to its lair. I'm going to, you know, the Greeks would spend years in academies thinking and thinking and experimenting and and, and pursuing and expanding their knowledge. But if it comes to, if you're telling me there's a basic concept of knowledge, it's something that is forever beyond my understanding, that I'm never going to be able to chap. I'm never really going to be able to understand, you know, what it means. You know, I'm never going to be able to understand how Brera really works. I'm never really going to be able to understand Paraduma. There's parts of Torah that are, you're telling me there's a wisdom, a divine wisdom called Torah, that's just, it's, it's divine, which means, it's a, the divine wisdom, which is beyond my understanding, there's limitations of my understanding. That, no, no. That, I, I, I don't accept that. Wisdom is defined by what I can understand. Knowledge is defined by my mind. Knowledge is defined by the human consciousness, not a divine consciousness. And that's the negative of Azos. That's why, again, Yavin is the number. The negative aspect of this boldness, this brashness, is to have that impudence to say, if I don't understand it, it doesn't exist. And this is Adiyamazet. This is the scientific method. This is scientific thought. The scientists are the biggest atheists, right? Because the, the scientific method trains one to have this mentality of if you can't explain it to me, if I can't understand it, it doesn't exist. If you can't explain to me a creator, if you can't explain to me spirituality, you can't explain these things to me, you can't detect them in a laboratory, a divine soul, the concept of the creator, you're telling me the creator is someone by, by definition, an entity by definition, we can't see, can't detect. So as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't exist. That's the fallacy of scientific thought. The fallacy and the flaw of the scientific method is that azos, that impudence of saying that my understanding defines reality. And there's no, my, my limitations are not limitations, my, the limitations are my understanding, to the contrary, they're not limitations at all, they are delineations and definitions of a reality of knowledge. And that was the Greeks, or the Greeks originally were the champions of this, and this resonates, Adi with, with, again, with scientists everywhere, the scientific method and scientific thinking, is that reality is not limited by my understandings, but it's defined by my understanding. And there's no such thing as limitations to not my knowledge, limitations to my understandings. And that's Yavan, that's the Gullus of Yavan. Yavan, their Gullus is, is putting the Torah in Gullus. And that's why Yavan is the number. Okay, so we'll stop over here for today. We'll continue with Hashem tomorrow, with the next pack of the Maro is going to take this further, this idea of Gullus. Yavan, of Yavan's attack on Chachma, Yavan's attack on wisdom, and the, and the specific idea of divine wisdom. We'll see more insights tomorrow, Mitzvah Shem, the sixth day of Hanukkah. In the meantime, everyone should have a freilich and lichtig Hanukkah. We'll continue tomorrow.